chapter seven part two of the suppression of the african slave trade to the united states of america sixteen thirty eight to eighteen seventy volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the suppression of the african slave trade to the united states of america sixteen thirty eight to eighteen seventy by w e b du bois toussaint louverture an anti-slavery effort seventeen eighty seven to eighteen o seven part two forty eight the act of eighteen hundred forty nine the act of eighteen o three fifty state of the slave trade from seventeen eighty nine to eighteen o three fifty one the south carolina repeal of eighteen o three fifty two the louisiana slave trade eighteen o three to eighteen o five fifty three last attempts at taxation eighteen o five to eighteen o six fifty four keynotes of the period forty eight the act of eighteen hundred in the next congress the sixth another petition threw the house into paroxysms of slavery debate wald of pennsylvania presented the petition of certain free colored men of pennsylvania praying for a revision of the slave trade laws and of the fugitive slave law and for prospective emancipation wald moved the reference of this memorial to a committee already appointed on the revision of the loosely drawn and poorly enforced act of seventeen ninety four rutledge of south carolina immediately arose he opposed the motion saying that these petitions were continually coming in and stirring up discord that it was a good thing the negroes were in slavery and that already too much of this new-fangled french philosophy of liberty and equality had found its way among them others defended the right of petition and declared that none wished congress to exceed its powers brown of rhode island a new figure in congress a man of distinguished services and from a well-known family boldly set forth the commercial philosophy of his state we want money said he we want a navy we ought therefore to use the means to obtain it we ought to go farther than has yet been proposed and repeal the bills in question altogether for why should we see great britain getting all the slave trade to themselves why may not our country be enriched by that lucrative traffic there would not be a slave the more sold but we should derive the benefits from importing from africa as well as that nation Walne, in reply contended that they should look into the slave trade much of which was still carrying on from rhode island boston and pennsylvania hill of north carolina called the house back from this general discussion to the petition in question and while willing to remedy any existing defect in the act of seventeen ninety four hoped that the petition would not be received dana of connecticut declared that the paper contained nothing but a farrago of the french metaphysics of liberty and equality and that it was likely to produce some of the dreadful scenes of st domingo the next day rutledge again warned the house against even discussing the matter as very serious nay dreadful effects must be the inevitable consequence he held up the most lurid pictures of the fatuity of the french convention in listening to the overtures of the three emissaries from st domingo 
and thus yielding one of the finest islands in the world to scenes which had never been practised since the destruction of carthage but sir he continued we have lived to see these dreadful scenes these horrid effects have succeeded what was conceived once to be trifling most important consequences may be the result although gentlemen little apprehended but we know the situation of things there although they do not and knowing we deprecate it there must have been emissaries amongst us in the southern states they have begun their war upon us an actual organization has commenced we have had them meeting in their club-rooms and debating on that subject sir i do believe that persons have been sent from france to feel the pulse of this country to know whether these i e the negroes are the proper engines to make use of these people have been talked to they have been tampered with and this is going on finally after censuring certain parts of this negro petition congress committed the part on the slave trade to the committee already appointed meantime the senate sent down a bill to amend the act of seventeen ninety four and the house took this bill under consideration prolonged debate ensued brown of rhode island again made a most elaborate plea for throwing open the foreign slave trade negroes he said bettered their condition by being enslaved and thus it was morally wrong and commercially indefensible to impose a heavy fine and imprisonment for carrying on a trade so advantageous or if the trade must be stopped then equalize the matter and abolish slavery too nichols of virginia thought that surely the gentlemen would not advise the importation of more negroes for while it was a fact to be sure that they would thus improve their condition would it be policy to do so bayard of delaware said that a more dishonorable item of revenue than that derived from the slave trade could not be established rutledge opposed the new bill as defective and impracticable the former act he said was enough the states had stopped the trade and in addition the united states had sought to placate philanthropists by stopping the use of our ships in the trade this was going very far indeed new england first began the trade and why not let them enjoy its profits now as well as the english the trade could not be stopped the bill was eventually recommitted and reported again on the question for its passing a long and warm debate ensued and several attempts to postpone it were made it finally passed however only brown of rhode island dent of maryland rutledge and huger of south carolina and dixon of north carolina voting against it and sixty-seven voting for it this act of may tenth eighteen hundred greatly strengthened the act of seventeen ninety four the earlier act had prohibited citizens from equipping slavers for the foreign trade but this went so far as to forbid them having any interest direct or indirect in such voyages or serving on board slave ships in any capacity imprisonment for two years was added to the former fine of two thousand dollars and united states commissioned ships were directed to capture such slavers as prizes the slaves though forfeited by the owner were not to go to the captor and the act omitted to say what disposition should be made of them forty nine the act of eighteen o three 
the haitian revolt having been among the main causes of two laws soon was the direct instigation to a third the frightened feeling in the south when freedmen from the west indies began to arrive in various ports may well be imagined on january seventeenth eighteen o three the town of wilmington north carolina hastily memorialized congress stating the arrival of certain freed negroes from guadalupe and apprehending much danger to the peace and safety of the people of the southern states of the union from the admission of persons of that description into the united states the house committee which considered this petition hastened to agree that system of policy stated in the said memorial to exist and to be now pursued in the french colonial government of the west indies is fraught with danger to the peace and safety of the united states that the facts stated to have occurred in the prosecution of that system of policy demands the prompt interference of the government of the united states as well legislative as executive the result was a bill providing for the forfeiture of any ship which should bring into the states prohibiting the same any negro mulatto or other person of color the captain of the ship was also to be punished after some opposition the bill became a law february twenty eighth eighteen o three fifty state of the slave trade from seventeen eighty nine to eighteen o three meantime in spite of the prohibitory state laws the african slave trade to the united states continued to flourish it was notorious that new england traders carried on a large traffic members stated on the floor of the house that it was much to be regretted that the severe and pointed statute against the slave trade had been so little regarded in defiance of its forbiddance and its penalties it was well known that citizens and vessels of the united states were still engaged in that traffic in various parts of the nation outfits were made for slave voyages without secrecy shame or apprehension countenanced by their fellow-citizens at home who were as ready to buy as they themselves were to collect and to bring to market they approached our southern harbors and inlets and clandestinely disembarked the sooty offspring of the eastern upon the ill-fated soil of the western hemisphere in this way it had been computed that during the last twelve months twenty thousand enslaved negroes had been transported from guinea and by smuggling added to the plantation stock of georgia and south carolina so little respect seems to have been paid to the existing prohibitory statute that it may almost be considered as disregarded by common consent these voyages were generally made under the flag of a foreign nation and often the vessel was sold in a foreign port to escape confiscation south carolina's own congressmen confessed that although the state had prohibited the trade since seventeen eighty eight she was unable to enforce her laws with navigable rivers running into the heart of it said he it was impossible with our means to prevent our eastern brethren who in some parts of the union in defiance of the authority of the general government have been engaged in this trade from introducing them into the country the law was completely evaded and for the last year or two eighteen o two three africans were introduced into the country in numbers little short i believe of what they would have been had the trade been a legal one 
the same tale undoubtedly might have been told of georgia fifty one the south carolina repeal of eighteen o three this vast and apparently irrepressible illicit traffic was one of three causes which led south carolina december seventeenth eighteen o three to throw aside all pretense and legalize her growing slave trade the other two causes were the growing certainty of total prohibition of the traffic in eighteen o eight and the recent purchase of louisiana by the united states with its vast prospective demand for slave labor such a combination of advantages which meant fortunes to planters and charleston slave merchants could no longer be withheld from them the prohibition was repealed and the united states became again for the first time in at least five years a legal slave mart this action shocked the nation frightening southern states with visions of an influx of untrained barbarians and servile insurrections and arousing and intensifying the anti-slavery feeling of the north which had long since come to think of the trade so far as legal enactment went as a thing of the past scarcely a month after this repeal bard of pennsylvania solemnly addressed congress on the matter for many reasons said he this house must have been justly surprised by a recent measure of one of the southern states the impressions however which that measure gave my mind were deep and painful had i been informed that some formidable foreign power had invaded our country i would not i ought not be more alarmed than on hearing that south carolina had repealed her law prohibiting the importation of slaves our hands are tied and we are obliged to stand confounded while we see the floodgate opened and pouring incalculable miseries into our country he then moved as the utmost legal measure a tax of ten dollars per head on slaves imported debate on this proposition did not occur until february fourteenth when lowndes explained the circumstance of the repeal and a long controversy took place those in favor of the tax argued that the trade was wrong and that the tax would serve as some slight check the tax was not inequitable for if a state did not wish to bear it she had only to prohibit the trade the tax would add to the revenue and be at the same time a moral protest against an unjust and dangerous traffic against this it was argued that if the tax furnished a revenue it would defeat its own object and make prohibition more difficult in eighteen o eight it was inequitable because it was aimed against one state and would fall exclusively on agriculture it would give national sanction to the trade it would look like an attempt in the general government to correct a state for the undisputed exercise of its constitutional powers the revenue would be inconsiderable and the united states had nothing to do with the moral principle while a prohibitory tax would be defensible a small tax like this would be useless as a protection and criminal as a revenue measure the whole debate hinged on the expediency of the measure few defending south carolina's action finally a bill was ordered to be brought in which was done on the seventeenth another long debate took place covering substantially the same ground it was several times hinted that if the matter were dropped 
south carolina might again prohibit the trade this and the vehement opposition at last resulted in the postponement of the bill and it was not heard from again during the session fifty two the louisiana slave trade eighteen o three to eighteen o five about this time the session of louisiana brought before congress the question of the status of slavery and the slave trade in the territories twice or thrice before had the subject called for attention the first time was in the congress of the confederation when by the ordinance of seventeen eighty seven both slavery and the slave trade were excluded from the northwest territory in seventeen ninety congress had accepted the cession of north carolina back lands on the express condition that slavery there be undisturbed nothing had been said as to slavery in the south carolina cession seventeen eighty seven but it was tacitly understood that the provision of the northwest ordinance would not be applied in seventeen ninety eight the bill introduced for the session of mississippi contained a specific declaration that the anti-slavery clause of seventeen eighty seven should not be included the bill passed the senate but caused long and excited debate in the house it was argued on the one hand that the case in mississippi was different from that in the northwest territory because slavery was a legal institution in all the surrounding country and to prohibit the institution was virtually to prohibit the settling of the country on the other hand gallatin declared that if this amendment should not obtain he knew not how slaves could be prevented from being introduced by way of new orleans by persons who are not citizens of the united states it was moved to strike out the accepting clause but the motion received only twelve votes an apparent indication that congress either did not appreciate the great precedent it was establishing or was reprehensibly careless harper of south carolina then succeeded in building up the charleston slave trade interest by a section forbidding the slave traffic from without the limits of the united states thatcher moved to strike out the last clause of this amendment and thus prohibit the interstate trade but he failed to get a second thus the act passed punishing the introduction of slaves from without the country by a fine of three hundred dollars for each slave and freeing the slave in eighteen o four president jefferson communicated papers to congress on the status of slavery and the slave trade in louisiana the spanish had allowed the traffic by edict in seventeen ninety three france had not stopped it and governor claiborne had refrained from interference a bill erecting a territorial government was already pending the northern district of louisiana was placed under the jurisdiction of indiana territory and was made subject to the provisions of the ordinance of seventeen eighty seven various attempts were made to amend the part of the bill referring to the southern territory first so as completely to prohibit the slave trade then to compel the emancipation at a certain age of all those imported next to confine all importation to that from the states and finally to limit it further to slaves imported before south carolina opened her ports the last two amendments prevailed and the final act also extended to the territory the acts of seventeen ninety four and eighteen o three only slaves imported before may first seventeen ninety eight could be introduced 
and those must be slaves of actual settlers all slaves illegally imported were freed this stringent act was limited to one year the next year in accordance with the urgent petition of the inhabitants a bill was introduced against these restrictions by dexterous wording this bill which became a law march second eighteen o five swept away all restrictions upon the slave trade except that relating to foreign ports and left even this provision so ambiguous that later by judicial interpretation of the law the foreign slave trade was allowed at least for a time such a stream of slaves now poured into the new territory that the following year a committee on the matter was appointed by the house the committee reported that they are in possession of the fact that african slaves lately imported into charleston have been thence conveyed into the territory of orleans and in their opinion this practice will be continued to a very great extent while there is no law to prevent it the house ordered a bill checking this to be prepared and such a bill was reported but was soon dropped importations into south carolina during this time reached enormous proportions senator smith of that state declared from official returns that between eighteen o three and eighteen o seven thirty nine thousand seventy five negroes were imported into charleston most of whom went to the territories fifty three last attempts at taxation eighteen o five eighteen o six so alarming did the trade become that north carolina passed a resolution in december eighteen o four proposing that the states give congress power to prohibit the trade massachusetts vermont new hampshire and maryland responded and a joint resolution was introduced in the house proposing as an amendment to the constitution that the congress of the united states shall have power to prevent the further importation of slaves into the united states and the territories thereof nothing came of this effort but meantime the project of taxation was revived a motion to this effect made in february eighteen o five was referred to a committee of the whole but was not discussed early in the first session of the ninth congress the motion of eighteen o five was renewed and although again postponed on the assurance that south carolina was about to stop the trade it finally came up for debate january twentieth eighteen o six then occurred a most stubborn legislative battle which lasted during the whole session several amendments to the motion were first introduced so as to make it apply to all immigrants and again to all persons of color as in the former debate it was proposed to substitute a resolution of censure on south carolina all these amendments were lost a long debate on the expediency of the measure followed on the old grounds early of georgia dwelt especially on the double taxation it would impose on georgia others estimated that a revenue of one hundred thousand dollars might be derived from the tax a sum sufficient to replace the tax on pepper and medicines angry charges and countercharges were made e g that georgia though ashamed openly to avow the trade participated in it as well as south carolina some recriminations ensued between several members on the participation of the traders of some of the new england states in carrying on the slave trade finally 
january twenty second by a vote of ninety to twenty five a tax bill was ordered to be brought in one was reported on the twenty seventh every sort of opposition was resorted to on the one hand attempts were made to amend it so as to prohibit importation after eighteen o seven and to prevent importation into the territories on the other hand attempts were made to recommit and postpone the measure it finally got a third reading but was recommitted to a select committee and disappeared until february fourteenth being then amended so as to provide for the forfeiture of smuggled cargoes but saying nothing as to the disposition of the slaves it was again relegated to a committee after a vote of sixty nine to forty two against postponement on march fourth it appeared again and a motion to reject it was lost finally in the midst of the war scare and the question of non-importation of british goods the bill was apparently forgotten and the last attempt to tax imported slaves ended like the others in failure fifty four keynote of the period one of the last acts of this period strikes again the keynote which sounded throughout the whole of it on february twentieth eighteen o six after considerable opposition a bill to prohibit trade with san domingo passed the senate in the house it was charged by one side that the measure was dictated by france and by the other that it originated in the fear of countenancing negro insurrection the bill however became a law and by continuations remained on the statute books until eighteen o nine even at that distance the nightmare of the haitian insurrection continued to haunt the south and a proposal to reopen trade with the island caused wild john randolph to point out the dreadful evil of a direct trade betwixt the town of charleston and the ports of the island of st domingo of the twenty years from seventeen eighty seven to eighteen o seven it can only be said that they were on the whole a period of disappointment so far as the suppression of the slave trade was concerned fear interest and philanthropy united for a time in an effort which bade fair to suppress the trade then the real weakness of the constitutional compromise appeared and the interests of the few overcame the fears and the humanity of the many. End of chapter 7, part 2